Hi guys. Um, so we've got another podcast here today, um, interviewing Andrew Brody, uh, who basically grew up in Orlando, Florida, was at the Rail Salt Lake Academy when he was 16 years old, big soccer player. Uh, then after that, went to Louisville, um, went from Louisville to the Rail Monarchs, which is the USL2 division for soccer, and then went over to Austria and now has just signed his first MLS contract with Rail Salt Lake. So, Andrew, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I'm really, really excited to, to talk a bit more about, you know, your journey and, and also get into other aspects like your mindset and stuff like that. For sure. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Sam. Um, I'm excited to dive into a bunch of stuff here. Thank you. So, I guess, you know, going back to when you were a youngster, obviously you're, you're 25 now, um, you yeah. know, how did you start off playing soccer what got you into it um I'd say my dad got uh, my entire family into it my little brother and sister you know we were we always had a ball at our feet um as soon as we could walk and soccer was just a huge part of our childhood um I was in organizational soccer since since I was a kid um playing club and even just playing in the backyard every single day so it's been my life for as long as I can remember and it ended up being my career as well and so, and your dad played at a high level, right, as well? Yeah, yeah, he did. He played um, in the American League at the time. I'm not sure if it was called MLS, um, but yeah, played in the American League, played in, played in Europe for a little bit, um, a six-month spell there. Um, unfortunately for him, um, had a few bad knee injuries, which, which kind of hurt his career a little bit. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's tricky. Obviously, injuries can, uh, can always ruin you know a soccer career I'm sure um but no that's so was it as you were growing up was there a lot of pressure from your dad or how was his how was the environment and obviously I know you have a younger brother that plays as well um and and your sister and so you know how how was the the pressure sort of growing up as as uh you know coming from a, a very soccer background family yeah um that's something I struggled with early as a kid um I did feel a lot of pressure um, but when looking back on it now, I know the pressure he put on me was only because he saw how talented I was and that I could go somewhere with soccer. Um, and I struggled with it at first, but looking back on it now, I, I appreciate how hard he was on me. Um, it made me who I am today and it made me um, willing to stick with the game for so long through some yeah. difficult spells in my life. So, so you are playing for um, sort of local teams in Orlando, in Florida, um, and then at the age of 16, uh, did you get scouted? It was by Rail Salt Lake, and then they wanted you to join their residential academy? Yeah, so I was playing in Tampa, Florida at the time um, for RSL Florida. Um, at the time, there was no Orlando City, no Inter-Miami, so... Um, RSL had the rights to have a team out in Florida. Um, I got recruited at just some tournament, got invited to go on trial in the summer, ended up doing well and getting the invite to join the residential academy a few months after I turned 16. And how was um, the decision, you know, that factor into that when, you know, when they sort of approached you and was like, hey, we want to bring you, you know, I mean, halfway across the country, yeah. um, you know, to join 
the academy at 16 years old you know how how was your what were your thoughts going through your head um it was extremely difficult you know I was sometimes I don't realize how young I was when I left home um but at the time I mean I wanted to and I'm glad I did because it it got me to where I am today um obviously it was tough leaving my family but I always wanted to be a professional soccer player and I knew that taking that step and joining a residential academy where the focus is on soccer would, would get me to where I want to be. And so after a successful, I guess, two years you, you spent um, at the academy, um, you then got recruited by Louisville. So talk to us a bit about the recruiting process. And also, you know, I'm sure you had a lot of decisions there as well in terms of colleges, you know, seeing you as a yeah, player, yeah. wanting you. And so what made your decision to go to, to Louisville? Um, yeah, so it was, um, as a kid in high school, you know, I always, I always wanted to be a professional soccer player, but really I wanted to just get a college scholarship and I wanted to play college soccer. Um, so when I started doing well at the Real Salt Lake Academy and getting recruited by some schools, um, it was a little bit overwhelming. Um, I had a lot of options. Um, I went on my visit to Louisville and I really loved the coaches there, Mario Sanchez and Ken Lola. Um, I think they really, they really helped me grow as a person and as a player. And I felt that going to the University of Louisville um, would have would best prepare me to take that next step into the professional ranks. And in terms of um, your time at Louisville, I mean, how was the transition from, you know, academy to college level, high college level as well? Yeah. Um, you know, because a lot of players struggle with that transition and and also always um you know I, I used to coach and so I'd always have players sort of asking me like what are the biggest differences what can I do to prepare myself you know for that collegiate game um you know do you remember sort of how you felt and how the transition was for you um the transition wasn't as bad for me because I'd say I was so used to being away from home at the Real Salt Lake Academy where the primary focus was already soccer you know just like when you go play a college sport how much time it takes how much time it takes these athletes in their day and everything but i was used to that um two years prior at their academy we'd wake up sometimes we train in the morning if not it was a run we'd go to school we'd get back we'd train then after training we'd play soccer tennis in the in the facilities we had there so it was all soccer um so going into college i felt I was a step ahead of most most other freshmen coming in because the Real Salt Lake Academy pr prepared me so well um, for that moment. No, that, I mean, I think that's one thing that, um, you know, even for me, when I transitioned to coming over to America, mm -hmm. it just, the, the transition itself just helps you develop. And the fact that you're able to do that at such a young age, even younger, a 16-year-old, you know, go somewhere else, develop, learn, be away from your family, have to grow up. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that can be very something that we both would encourage a lot of young people to do is to try and maybe step out of their comfort zone and and experience different teams and, and environments to try and grow. For sure. Yeah, I, yeah. Would, I would definitely recommend it um, to anybody out there who wants to pursue a career in soccer, whether that's playing in college, getting a college scholarship or playing beyond. Um, but it's tough because you have to decide that at such a young age 
and you have to decide at 16 like this is what I want to do I want to be a professional soccer player I want to I want to do this and we had to sacrifice a lot like we didn't have the same life most other high school kids have their junior and senior years going to prom meeting like meeting different people doing different things Um, we got back from school and we couldn't leave our campus at the academy so it was strictly soccer uh, which you know it's it's challenging and you have to make that decision so early and that was actually um, I was going to touch on that I was going to ask you you know all the sacrifices that you've had to make and you know what has made you uh, be in the position that you are today you know because there are so many people um, at a young age but also in college that are wanting to go pro and I think a lot of it is you know to do with their habits with with their lifestyles that they're living and, and what are they willing to sacrifice and you know you touching on that there straight away um i think is a huge message to everyone that's listening that does want to take that next step is right i need to really assess what i'm doing and and you know make sure that i'm i'm taking sacrifices to get to my own goal yeah definitely i'd say i'd say it's it's very important to have it all have it looking for the word here but to be sure with yourself that you want to do this i mean you have to commit to it. You're not going to go to the academy. And, and like me, I could have been like, all right, like I'm going to do this, but I'm not fully going to commit. Cause then I would have gone nowhere. I would have, it would have been a waste. I'm going to the academy to become a fresh professional soccer player to end up playing in college. If I just want to go there and have a good time with a group of guys in high school, then, you know, that's not the spot to be. Right. You want to, you want to go there with the, the end goal of something if that makes and, any sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and how important would you say it is um, to put yourself, you know, in terms of when you're at Rail Salt Lake uh, Academy, you know, you're surrounded by, I'm sure, like-minded individuals, you know, how much does that help and how much of a factor do you think that plays is to make sure that you put yourself around, you know, other people that are like-minded? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I have friends on the first team today that we played together with that I played together with at the academy. Um, so a ton of guys, all with the same goals, all with the same mindset that, listen, like we all came here, we want to do well as a team and we all want to grow individually as well and help further advance our own careers. Um, from my academy team, I think mostly everybody ended up getting a college scholarship somewhere. And I'm not sure the exact number, but Real Salt Lake has 20 something homegrown signings um, since wow. the academy started in 20 uh 2013 i believe um i think it was 2012 maybe 2012, I... yeah i think 2013 might have been the first year i went it was okay. around for one year prior um so yeah i mean you have a ton of success through that academy pipeline um with a bunch of like-minded individuals who all who all wanted to uh to join the professional ranks here and so was it the same when you when you're at louisville when you're at college um, your day to day was it very similar or you know I'm, I'm sure it's a lot more difficult when you're a college environment being surrounded by lots of different groups of people and there's you know big parties or whatever you know yeah how, how was the schedule in college um so in college we train in the morning um and have my classes in the afternoon um and and you know with college it's such a condensed season there in the fall you play so many games in in a few months which 
which I mean, I, I don't personally like or agree with because the season is so short, you don't have as much development. Then in the spring, you don't, you don't train as much. You only have a certain amount of days where you can touch a ball. The rest is fitness. So to be honest, I felt I was more prepared to enter the first team and enter the Monarchs with the academy than in college. I think in college, I definitely grew as a person and grew up and got stronger. But as far as like the technical side of playing and and playing more soccer, which is what you want to do, I, I would say the academy was was a little bit better for that. So you spent two and a half years at Louisville? Yeah, two and a half years. Um, I decided to leave after my junior fall season um, and signed with the Real Monarchs when I was 20. Um, I could, I, I, it was a tough decision. I contemplated staying in for my senior year, um, but I felt that it was time in my career to take that next step. I didn't feel as if I was getting better in college. Um, so I wanted to join a professional environment um, and, and see what could happen. Um, and obviously it was successful. You, you know, you've, you've managed to have a uh, hundred hundred appearances now, which is the club record for uh, rail monarchs. And obviously, you know, for the people that are listening, I might not know too much. You've got the ML, uh, MLS, which is the top, you know, soccer league in America. And then you've got the USL. So you're in the USL with rail monarchs or you were. Um, and so, you know, you were there for a long period of time. Yeah, uh, you know, how was it going from the start to then, you know, towards the end, years later? How was your development? Um, it was it was challenging. You know, um, I came in there as a twenty year old, expecting to, you know, be the best player, thinking thinking I was the best, and I was humbled really quick. You know, the professional game is a lot different. Um, and the USL is tough, such a tough league. You have a lot of a lot of good players in that league still, a lot of athletes. Um, and I thought it would be, I thought it was going to be easier than I found out, found out it to be. Um, but you know, I stuck with it. Um, I ended up doing okay. My first year started most of the games, ended up getting injured towards the end of the season there. Um, and then, yeah, I, I was back for my second year. Um, did really well. We won the regular season that year. I think that was 2017. Um, ended up getting knocked out in the playoffs um, and usually so after that two years is about the time where as players for the Monarchs you either take that next step to the first team or you leave um, they're Monarchs you you kind of want to they judge you whether okay like are you good enough to make the first team or are you not and then depending on that you t you go your different way so maybe you would join a different USL team which isn't an affiliate of an MLS team um, so just because, you know, you're trying to, the goal of the Monarchs is to produce players for the first team. Right. So, yeah. Cause it's an um, affiliate program. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And, and I, I feel like a lot of players, um, you know, it doesn't matter, I guess what team they're at, but after two, maybe three years, they're like, right. You know, what am I, I exactly. want to push on. Right. 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 So I found that extremely difficult, you know, after my second year with the Monarchs, I was hoping for a first team contract. It didn't come. Um, yeah, I had some other options in the USL and the Monarchs wanted me back, um, which was tough because I felt I deserved a first team contract and it obviously didn't come, but I still felt that joining the Monarchs um, for my third season 
would be best for my career because I was still under an MLS team. I was getting called up in the summers for the international friendlies, getting called up for the U.S. Open Cup. Um, so I still had opportunity there. And obviously the first team coaches are, are watching me with the Monarchs. So I decided to come back for my third year. Um, actually made the switch to right back from right mid. Um, I was, I'm a converted winger. So, so that transition was, that transition was well, actually, I enjoy right back and I think it's my position. Um, but it, I thought I did well that year, my third year, um, had another good season. The team did, um, then going and finishing that year, going into my fourth year, I still didn't get a first team contract. And I was like, all right, like, what, what am I doing here? Like the de- insanity is the definition is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So every year I was going back to the Monarchs, like, all right, like, is this my year where I get a first team contract? Is this my year? Um, and it didn't come. Um, I, I decided to go one more year with the Monarchs because they wanted me back. I, I was starting every single game. I was playing well. Um, but for whatever reason, they didn't think I was ready to take that step to the first team. Um, even though I may, even though maybe I did, I thought I was ready, but, um, it's there. I mean, obviously I respect their decision. Um, and so how did it, um, like if you get into a bit of the, the deeper feelings that you had, I feel right. like a lot of people would, you know, maybe go on to be like, um, you know, I don't like, I don't uh-huh. like this. I'm, I'm not really sure about this organization. Yeah, I'm right. not sure about the coach, like what's going on. I feel like a lot of people would have, you know, those feelings, did you, or, or like, how did you really feel about the situation? Yeah. How did you handle it? Um, it was, it was tough. You know, I, 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 I could obviously find a good career for myself in the USL at the time. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could have played um, for a number amount of teams, but I'm 23 at the time. I'm thinking, all right, like maybe I'm not good enough to get into the MLS. Maybe, maybe this is my peak. Maybe this is the max I can reach the USL. And being a professional soccer player is cool and all, but it's your days are limited. You know, if I have a great career, I can play what, maybe 15 years if, and if I'm lucky. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, all right, like I'm 23. Do I, do I stop playing football now and, and try and get in at a company somewhere at a younger age? So I'm not 29, 30, trying to join a company from scratch. So yeah, I mean, that lingered in the back of my mind going into my fourth season, I got invited to preseason with Real Salt Lake, the first team that year and kind of, I had the mentality that, listen, I'm going to go into preseason this fourth year. I'm going to see what I can do. And if I don't get a contract after this preseason, I'm the, then I'm done. And, and I really believe that. Um, I didn't end up getting a contract after that preseason. <laughs> um, I went into the front office with the monarchs and with rsl and said i don't want to do this anymore like i just i don't want to like i I don't know if this is for me um they told me listen we love you here like you're a great player give it the weekend and come back to come back in on monday like don't come don't come to training the next two days and we'll see what happens i gave it the weekend i i talked to my family my close friends my loved ones and they told me that, listen, man, you're, you're so close and, and you're so young. I'm only, I was only 23 at the time, but then I look at, I look at my friends here and the Real Salt Lake Academy produced so many quality players. 
we had guys coming up to the first team that were younger than me. So yeah. I'm like, all right, like maybe, you know, maybe my time here is done. Um, I gave it the weekend. I talked to my family. I talked to my friends and I ended up coming back in that Monday with a completely new mindset. I was just going to go out there and I was going to have fun. I was just going to play my football. I was going to play, play free. I was going to do what I want to do. I was going to go at people. I was going to attack. I was just going to play with a new sense of passion. Like, listen, I almost quit once. So if I go out there and the coaches are like, all right, you're being a little too reckless right now, then I'm done anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and from that day on, like, I don't know, something kind of changed in my head. I ended up getting that summer. Um, I ended up getting a loan deal to FC Pinsgau in Austria, um, third division. So lower level than the USL, but I needed something new. I had been at the Monarchs for three and a half seasons now. Um, I, had, I had done everything. I had been the appearance record holder at the time. And I was like, listen, may, I, maybe I need to see the new game, the game in a new light, in a new way. Um, so going over to Austria um, for a year long loan um, really, really changed the way I saw the game, even though it was a lower level. And my coach there, um, Christian Ziege, um, a German legend. And if, if you don't know him, it's, he's a quick Google search away. He's played <laughs> in the World Cup final. He's played for Tottenham. He's played for AC wow. Milan. He's played for, for Liverpool. He's played for some of the biggest clubs in the world. And, and as soon as I got there, two weeks, two weeks tra uh, into training, he said, man, how, how are you not on the first team? At <laughs> <Lake>? <laughs> and I was like, and I said, I don't know. They, they said I wasn't good enough. <laughs> And, and I was like, you know what, if, if, if someone like that is telling me I could, I'm that good and I can make it, then I have to keep going with this. Um, ended up having a really good season in Austria, definitely caught some eyes. Um, um, COVID and then the spring season, 2020 COVID hits. Um, uh, we have no season. My loan deal is expiring and I come back to Monarchs. And a couple months later, they, they say, I think we, we think you're ready for the, uh, for the first team. We're going to offer you a, a first team contract. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So literally in the time span of like a year and a half, you were yeah. walking into their office saying, I'm uh -huh. done. Yeah. You know, this is, this is it. Mm -hmm. And then a year and a half later, you know, you're, you're signing a deal with the, with the first team, with the MLS team. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. And, and, and you, for you, you know, when you look back on it, you would say that your it was because of your mindset. You would say it was maybe the biggest, the biggest reasoning. Yeah. Uh, you know, for for that change. Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was to stop being in my head so much. You know, just go out there and play my game, play free. Stop thinking about what the coaches are going to think if you mess up here. Stop thinking about the future. Just be in the here, be in the right now take each game as it comes, take each training as it comes and go from there. Um, and I, and I ended up finding my love for the game back after that. I started having more fun in training. I started looking forward to training more, um, which is, which was something that I think I had lost uh, maybe my towards the end of my second beginning of my third season. Um, so, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, I, I took the weekend that they gave me the weekend and said, listen, it, it could be a little rash, but, 
we do want you to think about it. Um, we know you love the game of soccer, which I, which I do. Um, so yeah, uh, coming back in, I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see, I'm just gonna play free. I'm gonna go in there and, and kind of be a new, a new player almost. And I think um, a lot of people go through stages like that. In, and it might not be just soccer related. It might be in businesses, in jobs, in relationships, you know, right. where you suddenly, you, you don't feel connected. You feel like there's just something missing. And, um, and so, I, I, you know, from your story, you know, sticking with it, maybe reevaluating your mindset, reevaluating you, and, and not making a big rash, rash decision in the moment um, has paid off. And I think a lot of people listening might even, um, if they are struggling, you know, through a certain time, you know, to, to maybe take time, process it like you did, speak to family, friends, and, and, you know, stick with it if it's something that you've, you know, you were done for 20, you know, right. 20 years. Yeah, you know, and, um, and I think if people are in similar, similar positions, um, you know, that's something they can maybe take away. Uh, so your, your time in Austria, mm -hmm. you know, what was some of the hardest challenges? Again, you're changing your environment. You're putting yourself into these different environments. And, and yep. you know, for you to be 25, to go from Florida to, to Utah to then, mm -hmm. um, you know, go over to Austria is, and, and obviously Louisville as well. Yeah. Um, you know, how was that? That must have been the hardest transition out of all of them, you'd think. Yeah, it was, it was a tough transition. Um, but as a kid growing up, you know, the MLS wasn't that big. So I only watched the Premier League. I watched the European games. And my dream was, okay, I want to play in Europe one day. So to have the chance to go play in Europe after playing in the USL for three years, even I'm going to the third division in Austria. The guys on my team worked during the day and we trained at night. <laughs> um, I was myself and a couple other guys um, um, who were loaned there um, also were, were the only professionals on that team. Um, everybody else was semi-professional, but still like going to a third division team, it, it helped me find that love just playing in Europe, playing in front of these, these passionate fans, these older men who, who I distinctly remember <laughs> just at the games, just going through maybe a pack of cigarettes, watching, <laughs> watching us play. Uh, and they were just loving every single second of it. Um, the amount of people who came up to me and said, where are you from? Uh, who are you? And, um, you know, it, it was so cool. And it helped me find, find that love for the game again. And I have so much appreciation for, for my club over there, the people over there, uh, my teammates over there that helped me, that helped me find my love for the game through such a difficult time that's brilliant um it's amazing and i mean how was the language was that a big issue yeah. was that um it wasn't as big as an issue as i thought um everybody on my team spoke english um literally everybody um it's crazy i didn't expect i didn't expect that at all but the team they helped me with my german as well i took a year's worth of german classes twice a week so going over there, I wanted to fully commit. I wanted to, I didn't want to be the American player who goes over there and, and doesn't try to speak to them in their native tongue. I didn't want to be the guy who's all right. Like I'm a professional, like, um, I just, I don't do anything all day. I sit at home and wait for training while these guys are working. I didn't want to be the guy who just comes in and then demands that they speak to me in English. Like I wanted to, I wanted them to speak to me in German as much as possible. 
um, just out of respect because I was playing in their country. I was playing in their league. I was playing for their, their hometown team. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as big as a challenge as I thought because, um, they mostly spoke English. I tried to speak German and they would, if I was struggling, they'd be like, listen, I speak English. It's okay. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Good. And, um, I think again, uh, you know, I think it's something that is, should be encouraged to every single, you know, human being out there to just go and travel and go and experience, put yourself in like uncomfortable situations just to help you grow. Because I think a lot of people, yeah, they get worried, they fear, you know, they fear it and then they don't go through with it. And so, you know, I, I, I would say to like, strongly encouraged to for people to take risks to, to go out of their comfort zone and and try things like that so after your time there you came back you've obviously you know you've just signed uh back in august or september you signed your deal with the first team um and obviously covid so you know how is how yeah. has it been since then and having you must be sort of itching to be like right oh, yeah. get, me, get me playing oh, and, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh so so the fall of 2019 is when I joined the Austrian team, FC Pinsgau. Um, we had qualified for the promotion round. Um, the promotion round would potentially get us from the third division to the second division in the spring of 2020. Um, we're preparing for our first game of the season and COVID hits over there a little bit earlier than in the States because in Europe, the lockdown started, I'd say maybe maybe three weeks earlier. So, I mean, at the time, nobody really knew what to expect. I was over there. Um, they were saying, listen, like, this is going to be a few week process. Don't, don't go back to the U.S. We're going to get our season going here um, within a couple of weeks. Um, I ended up staying in Austria for basically all of quarantine. I'm there until July, just not training. Um, bored out of my mind. I'm in a small <laughs> town in Austria. Um, <laughs> Um, but I, th- I definitely think that that really helped me grow. I helped find it helped me find some side passions. I ended up finishing my degree online, um, something I had been working on for a very long time since since I left Louisville early. I didn't I didn't graduate. So um, getting my degree was something my parents pushed me with definitely encouraged. Um, and I did want to finish, um, which so I finished in the quarantine. My loan ended up expiring in July. Um, Real Salt Lake and Real Monarch said, listen, we want you back. The USL season is starting back up um, in end of July, August. And we, we want you back on this team. We need you. Um, I get back. Um, season's going again. Tough, though, with COVID, you know, we're getting tested every single day when we walk into the facility. It's a little bit different. But, I mean, after taking six months off of not playing, I was itching to go again itching to get the season up and running again um ended up playing really well my first couple games um obviously real salt lake and the real monarchs were were keeping tabs on me in austria and they said listen we think you're ready we want to sign you for for next year um i signed that finished out the season with the monarchs ended up training with real salt lake towards the end of this past year um doing really well and and now here we are today. Um, I'm gearing up for preseason with my first official MLS season um, coming up here um, that I'm so excited for. Amazing, so, yeah, crazy. 
Yeah, no, it's um, a very cool story. And I think it just sums up, you know, that you have to stick with it and for, for people just to be persistent and to, to really commit to it. You know, you've mentioned a few times having to, to fully commit to the process, whether that's at Rail Salt Lake when you're 16 um, mm -hmm. or Austria when you're, you know, you're 22. So, um, you know, I'm excited for your, for your season. That'll be, you know, that'll be great. And hopefully we can reconnect in a couple of years and, you know, look Definitely. back on something else. You'll be back in um, Europe or wherever. You know, exactly. That's <laughs> the beautiful thing with, with soccer. You never know where, you, where you'll end up. Yeah. So I, I wanted to touch on, obviously, you've had a lot of different coaches. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, I wanted to, to really see from your mindset, you know, why have certain coaches been the best? Yeah. Um, and why do some struggle maybe and how have you maybe dealt with some of those struggles because a lot of players go through times where they have um, issues with a coach or they just don't feel like you know that coach is providing so what yeah. and I have a lot of coaches that maybe listen to this as well that can maybe right. you know get some points so what would you say firstly I guess is is some of the best coaching you've had and why so our current coach here at Real Salt Lake is, is my coach, Freddie Juarez, and he actually came up through the academy. He was our academy coach when we were 16, wow. and now he's the coach of the first team. Um, so he continued his process for, from the academy, from the Real Monarchs. He was the coach of me with the Monarchs my first year, ended up um, getting the assistant job coach with Real Salt Lake a few years later. But during my time with at the organization early on we had we had gone through two different coaches um a couple coaches got fired a couple um for whatever reasons um freddie ended up taking the job late uh, a couple years ago um but yeah i mean those first couple years for whatever reason the coaches didn't think i was ready they didn't think i was a part of their plans which which happens and which happens in soccer you know Coaches have their preference and style of players. Coaches have people they trust um, on the field. Um, so whatever reason they didn't think didn't think I was ready. Obviously, I thought I was. I thought I deserved a spot on that roster. Um, but and I dwelled on it early early on. I um, I got down on myself. Um, and we talked about it. I I didn't know if I wanted to be in a position where I wanted to play anymore. Um, but then, you know, Freddie gets, gets this head coaching job now and we have a great relationship. He, he respects my game. He respects how hard I work and he knows how badly I wanted this. Um, and I appreciate him so much for, for not only giving me the opportunity to work here with the first team, but everything he's done for me since the academy as my coach there, taking me in as a 16 year old and, and um, develop, developing me for getting ready for college uh, and all that. And then I guess my Austrian coach helped me a lot too. He, he supplied a lot of confidence in me. He installed a lot of confidence in my game, which was something that I felt the first team coaches, the first couple of years here didn't never really gave me, you know, they didn't give me the encouragement that I maybe needed as a young player. Um, my coaches with the real monarchs definitely did. I had some great, I've had great coaches with the real monarchs my entire, in my entire time that I have been there. But um, my first couple of years of the first team, not so much. And yeah, so I mean, it really just depends, you know, yeah. you, have, you have coaches that, that like players for whatever reason and players that, um, and coaches that, you know, might not like your game. 
it just right. depending on style of play, depending on uh, a numerous amount of factors. And I think, you know, from my, even my time coaching as well, I think installing confidence in players is, it must be one of the number one things that a coach, I think, should look at um, when they are coaching teams, when they're coaching players, to try and get the best out of players. I, you know, I, I've heard so many stories of players where they're struggling with confidence and suddenly you get a coach that comes in and, you know, even I had that for myself as a player and it just changes your game, you know, dramatically. So I think that's something that coaches should look into a lot is to, you know, how can I pull out confidence in this player, the team and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's definitely huge. Um, that helped me, that helped change me, change my game so much, I'd say, particularly in Austria, you know, just having that belief in me as a player that, listen, like, I want you to go out there and play your game. I trust you. I believe in you. Like, keep doing, keep doing the things that you know how to do. Um, yeah, that definitely helped me a lot. I would agree with you. And then you said that, um, you know, you came to realize as well that, um, you know, maybe, maybe it was after your time in Austria that you suddenly had to, you know, find that in yourself, find a way to bring confidence um, within yourself, just from you. Uh, and so talk to me a little bit more about that. Yeah, definitely. definitely, You know, um, there's going to be times where you have a bad game. Obviously we're all, we're all human beings. You're not going to play amazing every single game. So you have a bad game. You can't, you can't get too down on yourself. You have to believe that I'm a good, I'm a good player. You have to trust your ability. You have to trust that. Okay. I didn't have the best game this week, but I'm still, I'm still a top player. I belong here. I'm going to go out next, next week and, and show that that was a one-off game. I'm going to, I'm going to go out here and, and make a difference this next game. Um, yeah, it's still, it's tough though to install confidence. You go through the highs and lows throughout a year. Um, you're going to have, you're going to have good games. You're going to have bad games. You're going to go through really great spells and you're going to go through really bad spells. I'd say it's not about, it's about not getting too high and not getting too low. So you got to ride that happy median. Um, and, and it's very tough. You know, I'd say, I'd say no amount of experience or, or anything can, can help you with that. It's just something you're going to have to live with as a professional athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's sort of step, a step aside from the, the soccer part. Um, you know, you have a lot of spare time, um, you know, when you're not playing, uh, maybe if it's even out of season. Um, but even during the day, you might have a few hours here or there. So uh, I know you mentioned that you, that you, you know, you have a side passion. Um, yeah. So talk, talk to me a little bit more about that and how important you think it is to, to step away from the game every now and then. Yeah, you know, uh, I picked up a side passion for, for writing when I was in Austria. Um, it turned at first it turned into just a little hobby you know i'd write down my thoughts i'd write down little short stories i'd i'd just kind of have fun with it and explore explore um what it was to just just to just write stuff down and and have fun with my creative side of my brain you know because that's not really something i i use playing soccer all the time and i think it's important to not always be so focused on the game so I get home and I want to watch soccer. I'm thinking about soccer. I'm thinking about the session tomorrow. I'm thinking about the game on the weekend. And while that's good, I think it, it can also be bad. So you got to have, you got to have time where you can clear your mind with something else. 
Um, and riding, riding has been that for me. Um, I found this passion and, you know, I end up, I want to write uh, fiction stories now. Um, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm playing with it. Um, I don't have anything pretty concrete, concrete yet, but it's definitely something I want to keep working on and pursue during my career. Cause like you said, I train in the morning and then I have so much free time. So I definitely think spending that time doing something productive is very important and something I didn't do enough of when I was a younger player. I'd say I was playing maybe too much video games, playing, watching too much TV, um, which, which is cool, good because, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm doing, taking care of my body. I'm not doing anything taxing on my body. That's going to limit me in training the next day, but there's got to be better activities that I can do to help myself moving forward. Um, so I'm so glad that I found writing. I'm so glad that I've stuck with it. Um, and just like soccer, you know, I'm, I'm exploring it. I'm trying to get better each day, seeing what I can do. Um, and we'll, we'll see where it takes me. Do you um, also use writing as a tool for, uh, let's say, your personal development, uh, like goals, journaling, like sort of that side as well? Yeah, um, I'll do mostly journaling. Um, I try to every few nights kind of just write how I'm feeling, the craziest thing that hap that's happened to me um, in the past week. I've come up with um, just a few questions just to reflect on my weeks. Um, nothing, nothing too serious. Um, just kind of have fun with it and see, I don't know where, how it's going to be down the road. Um, but I do think looking back on, looking back on my previous journal entries could be interesting in a few years time. Um, and that's something that I think about a lot, like, okay, like, let me, let me just do this. Let me write whatever I'm feeling right now down. And if I come back to it in a year, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where my mind was, say, last year, or, um, wherever. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I do like journaling. It's something I've started recently and something I definitely want to keep doing. Yeah, I am. Um... You know, I, I wouldn't say I do journaling as such, but I um, I will write down some notes here and there. But in particular, whenever I do reading, I will, you know, write down notes and some of my thoughts maybe on that. And and exactly the same as you, um, I would say one, it helps me um, just it's sort of like a de-stressor. It makes you really evaluate what you're currently doing um, and, and puts things a bit more in perspective. And, and so it's definitely something that I would encourage even young people that, you know, are listening um, to try and start doing from such a young age, because I, I agree with you in terms of in years to come, you know, when you can look back on, on some of your thoughts and you can really see the development. Um, and to be honest, that's partly why I'm doing some of these podcasts is we're going to be able to, you know, in, in two years, hopefully listen to what your thoughts were, what your feelings were, and then to see that development. Um, you know, and, and I think reflection is very important um, because it helps you with the with the future. Um, so that's obviously that's great that you have that. Is there anything else that you that you do? Do you do any reading yourself if you like writing or? Yeah, no, I, I do try and read quite a bit. Um, um, I'll try and read maybe a book a month, but sometimes that's a little much. Um, so, uh, but I try to, um, I like reading all sorts of books. Um, I'll try and go maybe a fiction story and then switch it to a nonfiction book after that. 
just so I'm not taking in so much um, nonfiction information. Sometimes I like to just have a page turner there, something to lose yourself in, something to enter a new world almost, which I really like. Um, and that's what I want to write um, one day. So um, that helps me. And um, I think it could help a lot of people as well um, to just get lost in something else. What would you say a couple of your favorites um, in terms of books are? Yeah, so I have my favorite um, nonfiction book. It's called Sapiens. Sorry if I butcher the author's name here, Yuval <laughs> Noah Harari. Um, but basically, it's a brief history of the human humankind. Um, gets into a bunch of different topics from the start of humanity, basically, um, and then goes to today. So really interesting book if anybody's looking for, for a nonfiction story there. Um, I have a biography, um, Educated, by Tara Westover, I believe. Um, she has a fascinating story about, about her childhood and how, she, how academics helped change her life. Um, and then one other book, When Breath Becomes Air, by a neuroscientist um, who is battling cancer. Um, but, you know, he's a neuroscientist, so <laughs> he knows that his life is limited and he writes his final thoughts as he's going through it. Fascinating book wow. um, that I all definitely some must reads. Wow. Yeah, that sounds very fascinating. I will, uh, I will write those down for myself as well. <laughs> sure. um, no, that's that's great. And so uh in terms of if you wasn't going to be if soccer wasn't part of your life what do you think you'd be doing it's and and i guess i mean i know we were just yeah. talking about writing but uh -huh. you know take take that away as well yeah it's it's a tough question you know i think about it every day um soccer has been a huge part of my life ever since i was a kid and that's what i've been working for um even when i went to college and got my communications degree i got that degree just just to do something, you know, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Um, I haven't given it much thought. Um, that's why I've kind of explored writing. I want to see where it could take me. Um, I do love sports. So maybe I find myself in the sporting industry somewhere. Um, but hopefully I can, I can play soccer um, for another 10 years or so. <laughs> yeah yeah keep yourself fit keep yourself uh, eating, eating good right. food i'm sure you you can make it um very interesting fact in today's age you know in terms of social media is is such yeah. a big presence and um you're not on it so wow. <laughs> uh, you know talk to us why why yeah. that is um so you know when i was kind of going through everything with with, do I want to play anymore? Do I want to do all this kind of going through my unhappiness and everything? I kind of just wanted to be like, I kind of, I just got rid of everything. So I got rid of my Instagram. I got rid of my Twitter. I got rid of my Facebook and I was just going to do each, do each day. What makes me happy. You know, I was going to let my own, let my own creative brain find its creative outlets rather than looking at social media and seeing what other people are doing. I wanted to find what I like instead of instead of exploring or scrolling and seeing seeing other people live their lives. Um, and to this day, um, I've kind of been without it. Um, I do think it's extremely helpful with networking and, and staying connected to the world. Um, but for me personally, um, 
I just, it's just not for me uh, for whatever reason. And I find much more happiness without it um, for whatever reason that may be. I'm not exactly sure, um, but it gives me time for, for my brain to think about ways that I want to live my life almost instead of other people, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, and, and to be honest, I, I actually uh, went through a period of maybe two months or three months where I, you know, I wanted to delete everything, you know, and, and felt exactly the same as you. I, I actually really enjoyed it, mm -hmm. um, but really struggled because of the connection part of things, okay. like being able to still um, message, you know, get random little messages on Instagram, yeah. um, you know, from old friends, or if you see like old people doing something cool and you can message them about it. And, but, um, but I see how it enables you to focus on yourself more a hundred percent. And um, I think, I guess, you know, having, having a bit of a balance with it is always, you know, the key factor for, for most people, right? If, if people still enjoy the social media side, um, you know, it's finding a time and a place to to enjoy it, and and then also finding a time and a place within yourself. If, if yeah, you well, but it's uh, you know, those those uh, apps do a great job keeping you keeping you hooked. <laughs> it's great. It's actually crazy how they do it. Um, I remember, you know, I deactivated my Instagram for a while, got back on it um, for a week or so, and I find myself scrolling through Instagram, closing the app. And then without even thinking about it, I'm back on the app 45 seconds later. Like, what am I doing? I was just on here and now I'm just back <laughs> on it. Crazy how the, how the app just gets you back on it like that. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's a fine line. You know, a lot of, it can be very helpful, but it can also be too much. You know, if you're spending too much time on the apps, um, it's, it's important to find that balance. Um, so uh, it's tough. It's tough. So looking forward um do you do you set goals currently do you are you a goal setter um and what's your process with that um i'm not too much of a goal setter um i have goals in the back of my mind that that i obviously have um i do want to finish this book that i'm working on i do want to um make sure that I, I keep my job in the mls and don't have to go back down to the usl um but as far as goals, no, I haven't been, I'm not really a person that writes down, writes down their goals um, pretty consistently. I have in the past. Um, and for whatever reason, I've, I've kind of fallen out of favor with that, but I do journal. Um, I do write down what, what has happened to me today, what has happened to me this week, um, what I want to do the next day um, towards the end of my journals. Um, so I do, I do have like, I guess, short-term goals. Um, but as far as long-term goals go, I haven't, I haven't really set them as much. And I think that kind of is because, uh, you know, back when I was going through it, I was like, all right, like, I'm just going to go out there tomorrow in, in play, you know, I'm Live just in the gonna, present. exactly. I'm just going to go out there tomorrow and see what I could do. I'm not going to worry about what's going to happen at the end of this year. Am I going to get a first team contract? Am I going to get my option picked up? Am I going to be it? in Salt Lake? Am I going to be elsewhere? So for me, um, the biggest thing was just to go out there and be the best I can every day. Brilliant. So, you know, just to sort of wrap up, um, you know, you're in a position, like you said to me um, before, 
you're in a position I think a lot of people would kill to be in, you know, to be a professional soccer player who's now going to be playing in the MLS, the top division in America, um, you know, in Utah, in a cool city. It doesn't get much better in some people's eyes, but for those people that are aspiring to, to go pro, um, what would you say, like, some of the biggest advice you could give to them? The biggest advice I would have for, for young athletes trying to go professional at any sport it is, is I would say to, to treat each day um, in the moment. You know, it, every single day matters. Don't think that you're, you're so young, you're 18, you're 19, you can kind of get away with things. I'd say the habits start at such an early age. Um, something I wish I would have started earlier, something that I wish I can go back in time and fix. Um, I wish I would have put more into it um, from an even earlier age. And I still think I did. I went to the academy when I was 16. Um, but but you look now at, at some of the athletes around um, basketball, football, soccer, whatever it is, kids are playing 17 years old starting games. It starts early. It starts at a young age. So you have to, you have to commit yourself at such an early age to, to get to where you want to be. Um, I wouldn't say, listen, like you don't, you don't have the time to, to waste. You, you have to start now. Right. And in terms of luck versus hard work, um, mm. you know, what are your thoughts on, on that? Um, I, I definitely think you need a bit of both. Um, um, from a personal perspective, I felt that I worked extremely hard my um, entire career at the Monarchs. And for whatever reason, um, the luck, just luck didn't really see, seem to be on my side there. Um, next thing you know, a couple coaches move on, new coach comes in and, and I find myself with, with a first team contract. So I definitely think, um, Obviously, you have to work hard, and I think working hard will will end up rewarding you in the long run. Um, you know, listen, whether that's within the week, whether that's within the month, whether that's five years down the road for me, um, I do think if if you work, you'll you'll get what you deserve. Brilliant. Well, I think that was a good place to to wrap up. Um, you know, thank you for your time. I think a lot of people are going to be able to pull a pull some great advice, you know, out of that podcast and. Um, Obviously, with you not having social media, um, I think if anyone did want to reach out to you, I think they could reach out to me. And then if they wanted to ask no you a dying question, you know, I can then yeah, pass yeah. on your contact. Um, sure, yeah, one open to anybody who has any questions or wants to reach out. Um, I'd love to chat. Brilliant. Um, well, thank you very much. Obviously, all the best with your MLS season. I'm super excited to you know, hopefully it will be, you know, fingers crossed this year um, and excited to track your, you know, your performance and, um, and then hopefully we can reconnect as well, but um, appreciate your time yet again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I uh, love the being on the podcast. Excited to see where this goes. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening and uh, tune in next time.